Hi, I'm Emily Gong, and welcome to Art Focus Spoken. Our mission is to feature the voices of artists and unite creative communities across the globe. We aim to do this amid COVID-19 in our ongoing series called Creating Through Crisis. On today's episode, we are excited to speak with U.S.-based artist Catherine Boxall. Catherine is a Canadian artist working in traditional representation, abstract, and mixed-media painting. Catherine received her MFA at San Francisco Art Institute and her BFA from Queen's University with International Exchange at the University of New South Wales Art and Design. Catherine has exhibited her work in solo and group exhibitions in Canada, Australia, and the United States. She is a recipient of the Elizabeth Greenshields Foundation Art Grant. Today, Catherine is speaking with us from the comforts and safety of her studio in Charlotte, North Carolina. Catherine, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Emily. Great. It's really nice to have you. So for listeners who may not know you yet, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your art, please? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you already mentioned, my name's Catherine. I started kind of my quote-unquote journey in art uh, at Queen's University. I uh, started in the fine art program um, right out of high school and I wasn't really sure what I was doing at the time. I was just trying to choose a degree that I had some interest in and I was, um, you know, needing to go to college. So I was like, okay, art sounds good. This is a good school. I'll try this for a little bit. And it really wasn't until I went through the whole program, which included printmaking, sculpture and painting all the way through my fourth year that I really fell in love with painting specifically. Um, But it really wasn't that obvious to me for that whole time Um, until that fourth year when we had independent studio practices and it was really about building out a body of work the same way that you would if you were a practicing artist in the real world. So in that fourth year, I became really engaged in painting and I was like, wow, I really don't want this to stop after I graduate. How do I, how do I keep this going? Right. So I decided to extend my degree by six months and I went to, I went to Australia and just took electives in painting. Um, and that was really amazing because I was removed from my comfort zone and from kind of all social and familial pressure where I was from going to a new place where you don't know anybody and all you have to do is paint. Um, I really found out a lot about myself and what I was interested in. So I spent six months in Australia doing that and sort of preparing a portfolio for a grad program. Um, So when I got back from Australia, I went to Toronto and I worked and I got different internships at different companies just to stay afloat. I was a waitress. I was a bartender. I was just trying to save as much money as I could because I knew that school was a huge uh, financial endeavor and what I was trying to do was pretty risky to go and paint. So I spent a year doing that and applying to different grad schools. Um, I was accepted at San Francisco Art Institute and I was really lucky to receive the presidential fellowship when I went there, uh, which was hugely helpful in covering that. So, um, so I was in San Francisco for two years building out my work and that was really transformative for me because at Queens, we were sort of and Emily, you may have a different opinion than I do because you were a student there with me as well. But I felt like we were very classically trained and we were very um, traditionally 
focused and in painting. You know, it was about oil painting and it was about the figure and it was about the landscape. Even when it was contemporary landscape, it was still very traditional. Yes. Um, and so moving to San Francisco, uh, maybe the most liberal off the wall place in the universe uh, was really revolutionary for me because my work needed to catch up to what was happening in San Francisco culturally and socially. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really broke out of my traditional figurative work and started moving slowly, more abstractly throughout those two years. So now my work is a hugely far departure from where I started at Queens, which, like I said, was really traditional, heavy oil painting, figurative, realistic. Um, now my work is mixed media. I use spray paint, acrylic, um, oil, pastel, pretty much whatever I can get my hands on. And um, they're very abstracted works. Um, yeah, here I am. Uh, not to go on for too long, but I got to Charlotte kind of on a whim. I graduated. Uh, from San Francisco, and as all as as all everyone knows, the Bay Area prices are very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as an emerging artist, I just needed some time to build myself up and to be able to build out my work without the pressure of five thousand dollars a month and rent prices between a living situation and a studio. So crazy, uh, and that would be at the bottom. I mean, like I lived in one of the toughest areas in the city and it was still really expensive and then getting a studio you'd have to you know probably go to Oakland or something like that so it was just very overwhelming to take that on as a a, just as a graduate uh as a new graduate and also uh sounds kind of silly to say but as an immigrant as a Canadian living in the U.S. you don't have the same opportunities because you are are fighting for you, you're you're fighting for work that they can line up with what you can apply to. Um, there's a lot in that. So so I needed some time to build myself up. I moved to Charlotte because um, my boyfriend, who's now my fiance, was coming out here for work, and he was like, "Would you would you consider this place?" Uh, all my California friends were like, "Are you kidding me? Like you're gonna leave California and go to North Carolina? Like that's so lame." And I knew that what it was going to be for me was just a period of time to get an affordable studio where I could make big work, where I could take risks, where I could meet new people and kind of start my career with some confidence. So that's what I've been doing for the past two and a half years in Charlotte. And it's been amazing. (laughs) Thanks so much for sharing your journey. It sounds like a really like eventful one and we'll love to hear more about it um, in a bit later on. And so, like, after all of this, I know that you recently had a show at the Mint Museum, which is really amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. How was that experience? Thank you. It was, it was amazing. I mean, I, so I found out about uh, the Mint last July, so July 2019. Mm-hmm. The curator emailed me personally and said, hey, Catherine, um, you know, I'm doing this series of shows at the beginning of. 2020 with emerging artists and I want you to be the first one are you interested I was like wow you know like a curator of a museum emails you and asks if you're interested you're interested so um so that was incredible I I worked very closely with her from July to December Uh, I had her for regular studio visits 
because I really wanted to make sure that I was showing a full breadth of my work, but also my best work. Um, that show has pieces from 2017. It has pieces from 2018, 2019, and 2020. Um, there are 11 paintings in the show, and they're installed on the first, second, and third floor um, uh, atrium hallways of the museum. Um, and I kind of organized it so that people could see the different styles that I'm working through and how my work has evolved over the years, um, which I have already said, it's been a big change from realistic to full abstract to no paint at all. I like messed around with a lot of different things. So, so the mint was really, really cool. Yeah. Like, did you show kind of your transition? I did. So, um, so the show opened in February um, and it's actually been extended till August, which is nice because of this whole situation. Uh, I was lucky enough to have my opening reception in February, which was, I mean, thank, thank goodness. That, that was just a really nice opportunity for people in the community who hadn't met me yet. I'm still quite new to Charlotte. I've only been here for two years. And so for people to be like, who is this person? Why do we care about her? Why is she in our museum? And for them to come through and meet me was, was really personal and, and, and lovely. Um, but yes, to answer your question, you know, I was showing work from the beginning of San Francisco through all the way to work that I finished two weeks before the opening, you know? So some of the paint was just drying and some of it, you know, was like, like way in the past. But in doing that, because I had the opportunity to show so many works and because they were separated in the exhibition and let people kind of walk through my mind, you know, like they were kind of seeing like, okay, wow, this came from this and this is a little connected there. And okay, as I'm going through the, the, the floors of the museum, and as I'm going through this, I can kind of see where her mindset is, which is, which was really awesome opportunity to kind of show people a, like a bigger range of your work. And, and not that these are just maybe like one hit wonders over here or the single idea, but really where things are coming out of over three years. That's incredible. Like I can only imagine like how big your body of work is actually and I wish that I could go and see it so it's open until August and when yep. is the like physical museum open great question I mean we're in phase so phase two in, in North Carolina which for us is the opening of restaurants um hair all that good stuff is Friday so I don't know when institutions like that will open just because there's so high traffic um it's all like a museum in this case is also uh, a nonprofit institution. So they, I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to tackle it internally. I don't know how they're going to respond to the recommendations of the state. I, I'm just not really sure. So I'm thinking maybe we'll be open in July and we'll get maybe a few weeks before it closes up, which would be cool. But honestly, I'm grateful for it happening. And I think that a lot of artists can relate to this, that, for me, the most important thing in the show or the three most important things in having a show like that is one, making the work, right? You get to make the work. You have a purpose making the work. You, you have a reason. You can really flush out your ideas. You have a deadline. You got to get it done. So that's the first amazing thing about having a show. The second thing that's amazing about having a show is getting people actually in front of your work. Uh, I'm in this warehouse in the middle of Charlotte. People aren't just like waltzing in and taking a look at the paintings all the time. It's always through the phone. So getting people to actually show up and see the work at that opening reception and just celebrating with you and having fun with you and for people to have that honest connection 
not only with the artist, but with the work, um, in a really low stress way. I mean, going to an opening, I'm sure, you know, it's kind of just like going to be, it's not, it's not very stressful. You know, you're kind of just like, Oh, I'll look at this stuff over here. I'm going to talk to this person over there. Um, so that's the second part. And then the third component is really getting those documentation of your work so that you can continue to share that installation, um, in the future for years. Um, so my photographer, Kyo Nam, who's um, Korean photographer based in Charlotte, Korean American, I die for him. He's the best. He just like has been working with me. He worked with me for my solo show at the at the new gallery in December that ran through uh, November, December, and January. And then he's worked with me to photograph this exhibition. And I think having someone who really understands how to document your work and what your vision is for those photographs is also really important. It's not just like, okay, like it happened, an iPhone picture. Like, no, you have to really work with your photographer to make the work shine and make the work feel like the work more than just, I don't know. You know, like a snap sure, like picture capture, or a video. Actually, like, capture the work. and Yeah, and it's really challenging. <laughs> it's really tough. Most times, like, the photo doesn't do the painting justice at all. So finding totally. the right photographer is so crucial. It's so crucial. And it's been really fun for me to work with him because he didn't specialize at all in painting artwork. I was the first artist he ever shot for. He He mostly shot lifestyle and food and I was connected to him through my gallerist uh Irina Toshkova and she she was like oh Kyo will be great and he was just so patient with me and he was really so sweet that when we were documenting the works he like let me into his space as the photographer to kind of direct what I really wanted and then he uses his expertise to elevate that so it's a for me I think working with your photographer is like a whole other stage of the process that really you need to think seriously about as an artist and collaborate with your photographer because those images are the only things that exist after especially if you sell the work like it's gone <laughs> so you need to have that work because that's going to be the thing that gets you the next show and that's going to be the thing that gets you the next connection for sure and I'm so glad that you guys found each other and yeah so for this uh, I guess we'll keep updated with when the Mint Museum opens yeah I wonder too, like after it does open, if just for a month or two, or I mean, hopefully earlier than later, but do you plan to maybe make like a virtual um, kind of showing so that people don't have to travel there to see it? Or do you have any ideas on that? That's a really good question. I hadn't really flushed that out yet. I think probably because it's closed and I'm kind of working on their direction, but I think that's a really good idea. I'll have to think about that more and what that would look like. Um, but I think there is is an opportunity for video. And if I could get into the museum, I think video would be the way that I would want to do it. Um, because especially my work is really large and the works that are in the museum are quite large. Um, five, five of them are eight by six feet. So these are really large paintings and it's challenging to feel the impact of standing in front of a work that's larger than you without that actual experience. But I think that maybe video could, could work. I'm not, I'm not sure. And, and I, but that's a really good idea. I think if I could get in the museum, that would be really cool for me to do a walkthrough with people and talk to things personally and explain the process with the work installed and with a little bit of distance from it in the sense that I feel 
for me as an artist, when I'm making the work, I, everything's happening in my mind and everything's happening in my body, but I don't, I haven't necessarily processed it enough to talk about it. It's like, you know, when you're figuring out a, something in your life and you wake up in the middle of the night and you have the answer, like you need that time after making the work to process, like, what, the, what was I thinking about? Like, why did this happen? Like, what, how does this connect to the other thing? And it takes a long time for me to really like understand my work. So I think even having this period where like, yeah, maybe I'll do a tour in, in August or late July, that'll have given me enough time to kind of process everything. Because like I said, some of the works I had finished like two weeks before the show opened. <laughs> like, they were like hot off the press, you know, like here it is people like. True, and you haven't seen it since. So, like, the no. photos would be really good for, I mean, if it's video or, like, when we see, like, photos of your work, people don't really understand the scale of it, for sure. Yeah. And there's yeah. not that same coherence if you're just sliding through image after image, like, experience yeah. it that way. But if it was a video walkthrough, that would be a totally different experience and closer to, like, or as close to as actually visiting. Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm like brainstorming with you right now. I'm like, that's a good idea. Why haven't I thought about that? <laughs> yeah, but that's like super interesting. I'm really excited to hear like what you end up doing. And so what are some of the major changes to your routine in the present situation? And how have you adjusted? So it's kind of funny, like, my routine hasn't really changed that much at all. Um, it was a little like emotionally it's challenging because the weight of the situation is on you. And I think there was different kind of psychological swings in it for me. Like at the beginning, there's kind of like, I don't even want to say like, like, like hysteric panic, but I was almost just like, ah, like, here we go. We can do this, whatever. Like kind of almost, I don't want to use the word excitement because that's not it, but sort of this like energy to quickly adapt to being like, okay, like we got this. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to apply myself so much more. Maybe I can take the situation and just kind of like focus in on my work. Maybe I can use my platform to uh, be an escape for people and stuff. And I was really energized about that. And then I think the weight of the situation as it continued and how it's developed, especially in the U S it's really heavy. And it really sucks. The situation is so shit, for lack of a better word. So, like, this is just, it's so shitty. And I wish I could, like, be that voice of inspiration to, like, turn it around or somehow thing. But there's nothing, there's nothing good about people being sick and lack of trust in the government and lack of trust among amongst Americans and amongst humans internationally, it's, it's really, it's really heavy. And I feel, especially in the U S the catch 22 of people having to wage an unmeasured medical risk for themselves and others against their welfare, their human welfare, of needing to survive and needing to care for the people that they love and for themselves. So I feel like people are really trapped in this impossible situation where they need to make this choice that like, I just, 
it's a it's an impossible it's an impossible situation for people. So for me, the heaviness of that and working through that has been has been tough. Um, but showing up, even if it's just for an hour in the studio, and say, okay, I'm going to paint for an hour. You start small, and then it grows, and then you kind of get the music's on. You can escape a little bit, so that's good. The other thing for me is that I actually work part time at an art gallery. Um, so I work from home for them for two months, but we actually are back in the office. So I've had my second week physically present in the gallery this week. So my routine is kind of catching back up to me and that's giving me a glimmer of hope because routine is everything. I work in the gallery Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday morning. And then Wednesday afternoon through the rest of the week, I'm in the studio. So now I kind of feel like my rhythm is back, you know, like things are flowing. Um, and in fact, like my boss literally called me like while we're on this call and I'm like, Oh God, like Gerald, what do you need? You know? Uh, so I'm gonna have to call him back after this or whatever, but he's going to come to my studio today, uh, which is kind of cool because there's, a, there's, there's different things happening now. There's different times for stuff, you know, uh, which is, I guess is the only silver lining of the pandemic is maybe we have a little, a different time, different times to do different things and make time for, for people or stuff that we didn't before necessarily. That's really well put. And I'm really glad that um, your routine is returning to a normal or a new normal. And that like, it's good that you didn't just think of, I guess there's a lot of like, I guess there's a way to like kind of pretend it's not happening and to carry on. But it's good that yeah. I really like accepted the situation as hard as it is to do and processed it emotionally and maybe creating is also an outlet that helps you with this. Totally. And I think it is, but I also am weary of this pressure that artists have to like and anyone be at the top of their game or needs to feel like the energy to do the things they normally could in the situation, you know, um, it's amazing if you can, it can be a huge release if you can get there. But I also think, like I said, like, this is just like a gnarly time in the world. And if people just need, I've never slept more in my life. I'm sleeping like 11 hours a night. I don't sleep like that ever. I usually sleep like seven hours. I'm sleeping literally more than I ever have in my life. And it's because the physical intensity, like the emotional intensity of the situation is, is weighing on me. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to have the restart routine and I have a couple of projects going, which is cool. Um, definitely people are thinking about their spaces and I've been getting a lot of inquiries about that. Um, I mean, I've had three commissions since the beginning of the pandemic, purely on the fact that people are stuck at home and they're like, I want to do this. I want to do that. Can you help me with this? Which has been really cool. And that has kept me going, having consistent projects and having some accountability. That's great. And helping yeah. them to kind of um, add some light into their workspace through your work. Yeah, and these commissions. exactly. And so um, speaking of your studio, then would you mind briefly showing us your workspace? And so, yeah, absolutely. And for those tuned in to the audio format, could you give a simple visual description? Yeah. Okay. So, so like I said, I'm in a warehouse 
in the middle of nowhere in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and my space, the whole warehouse is probably 20,000 square feet, but my space is probably 700 square feet. Um, and I have LED lights and this big kind of steel open ceiling thing. Um, and then my, my white studio walls are eight feet high, which is just big enough for my canvases that take up the entire wall. Um, I'm holding my computer here, so it's a little challenging for you guys to see, but I essentially have kind of paintings everywhere and different hardware and stuff, um, paintbrushes and, you know, a painting station with all my paints, different works on progress that I'm working through. Um, I literally have this like, you know, uh, watering pump that I've been like spraying paint on my canvases with, um, finished works that help me kind of stay in tune with the rest. So it's good for me to have things that I'm working on and things that I've already done next to each other so that not only I feel for me personally keeps my confidence up when I'm working on like, okay, I can do this because every time you tackle a painting, it's like, how do I do this again? I mean, that's how I feel. I don't know how other artists feel, but I feel like I relearn to paint every time I tackle a new project. So surrounding myself with work that I feel good about while I'm working on something new is really helpful for me. Great. Um, so this is the finished work here. And then, here I have some works in progress. Um, I stack my, my canvases on concrete blocks. It's just the most cheap and easy way to install your work in the studio. Um, I have my music stand, my canvas roll. So when I'm building out my canvases, I just have a, a huge roll of canvas. It's uh, 50 feet that I just roll out any size that I want. Um, different works here. Uh, a little Victorian couch that's from my apartment in San Francisco that I brought with me and uh, my little Victorian chair from San Francisco. Um, out here, out, right outside my studio, I have all my uh, stretcher frames that the guys who own my warehouse have built out for me. So you can kind of see them all stacked up, um, just ready for me to work on. Um, yeah, and then this is kind of the open space in the warehouse. You can See, we have this big open space. I've installed paintings in there before just to like show clients and stuff, but my actual workspace is just this little lit up concrete room. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks so much for sharing with us. And so, um, you mentioned a couple of kind of things that you do to like cultivate a space that helps you and motivates you to work. And yeah. So, and this time, can you share with us some like self-care activities that you do? My sorry, I missed the last thing that you said. My what? Yeah. Oh, self-care. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Um so I like I said, I sleep a lot. Um I don't feel guilty about sleep. Um I really try and maximize that because if you're not rested, everything else is really hard. Um so sleep is a top priority for me. Um, and I mean, these are things that are, I kind of sound kind of silly to say, but just eating right, exercising every day really helps your psychological and physical strength in everything that you do. Um, so, you know, I'm really big into cooking. I think the rituals of cooking are therapeutic, not only for your body, but for your mind. And are all, that's also a creative outlet for me 
you know, <laughs> every time you design a plate, there's composition there and there's color there. And you can create these little moments of pleasure for yourself that make every day a little easier and a little bit more fun. Um, so I think cooking is a big self-care component for me, definitely. And and I really push myself to exercise every day. I think the endorphins are hugely important and not just artists, but anyone, just even if it's just walking 30 minutes a day, um, just helps clear your mind and helps you work through some things and release some energy. So those are my those are my big things. Um, eating right, sleeping, and, and some exercise. Um, I've also learned over time just not to not to need everything to happen right away. I think when I was coming out of school, I was used to juggling a lot of different projects and I was expecting myself to have an output that maybe just wasn't realistic. Um, and I think just giving myself the time to work through stuff at my own pace and not feeling like, I don't know, that that I'm, I'm not a painter unless I make this many things or that I'm not, a, I'm not at the, you know, like none of that's true. All of that is just kind of, imposter syndrome and it's just feeding into your anxiety and your insecurities which I mean I have I'm sure a lot of people have so really trying to avoid that inner voice that's telling me that I'm not I don't know what I'm doing or that like that I suck or whatever like trying to not give in to those feelings uh to that fear it's great to hear that you've developed (laughs) yeah more trust in the process and I think that's like what yeah. a lot of artists are dealing with too, just on the everyday basis, because it's really just the like final work that the public sees, but yeah. there's so much more that goes on in the process behind it that they don't see. And yeah. so speaking of that, what's a key element of your process that's not evident in your end work, but that's really important to you? Um. I mean, it's, it's not very, um, it's not very dramatic, but I, I just stare at my work in progress for a long time and I take pictures of it and I look at it through different ways. I take it outside. I put it on the ground. I put it, you know, I try and move the work around in different places and I try and see it in different ways because sometimes if you are always looking from the same perspective, you miss the one spot that was working. So you need, I think as an artist, you're always trying to change the ways that you're looking and just seeing things from from literally different perspectives. So slowing that process down, maybe painting quickly, but then slowing down, okay, taking a step back, really appreciating that that time that you spent on it. Okay, like I'm going to look at this in some different spaces. I'm going to try and get my mind to see this in a couple of different ways before I jump into the next layer, before I jump into the next phase of the work. Um, so yeah, I think living with your works in progress is is probably the, the the part of my process that people don't know. You know, it doesn't it doesn't happen in one sitting. It happens over, you know, three to six weeks and and in weird bursts and then really slow. And then bursts and then really slow, you know? And yeah, you gotta be patient with yourself. So do you usually do like yeah. uh, a few projects at the same time then? Or like, I guess, a few paintings at the same time? Yeah, I probably do probably five paintings at once. Um, it just helps that temptation from overworking something 
Um, it helps me deal with the temptation to use paint just because it's there. Um, I think painters can get into that sometimes. Maybe you mix like a bunch of this amazing color and you're just like, oh, I don't want to waste this color. So I'm just going to like cover the whole canvas with it. And it's like, don't do that. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so it forces me to be a little bit more thoughtful about each work, but also unify them, um, which is really great. I think for building out a series when things aren't just like, you know, one painting at a time and moving through. No, like when a body of work can rise up together, you end up learning something new from every single piece and then bringing that element to the other one. Um, so I think working on a bunch of things is really useful. It helps slow down, helps you not get too frustrated or, um, or too bogged down. It also helps you replicate what you've learned the next time because you're just like repeating the same lessons and you're trying to replicate your marks, but you never can. And so you're kind of training yourself to be like, how do I recreate these mini performances and what can I control and what can't I control for the next one? So yeah, it's a, it's a choreography of rituals, you know? Because I guess from Queens until now, um, were there any periods that you like stopped creating for any particular reasons or just yeah. difficult circumstances that held you back from creating? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, for sure. Uh, between Australia and grad school, like I said, I was just like focusing on work. Like I was living in Toronto for the sole purpose of working at bars that would make me the most tips and saving up as much money to buy myself the most ethic materials. So like moved to San Francisco, like the goal was not to like, figure out how to be an artist and whatever in Toronto. The goal when I was there, it was literally, I was working like, I had three jobs. I was working like 70 hours a week and I had like eight hours off on Sunday from when I like, you know, finished at three o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning. And then I'd be working that same Sunday night, closing the bar again. So like, I just like that period of time, I think it's, it's really important for anyone to know, like, what's the priority and just make that the priority because you can always add on other goals you can always say, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could incorporate this or juggle this or whatever. That's fine. That's fine. But what's your priority? Because you need to understand that you only have so much energy in a day and you only have so much capacity. So if the priority is saving money to go to San Francisco, make that the priority. <laughs> like, um, so that was a challenge. And then similarly, when I graduated, I needed to figure out how to stay in the US. I needed to get a work visa um, that stayed here. So there was definitely a period of time when I moved to Charlotte that I was juggling figuring out how to get my immigration in order before I could jump into really flushing out my practice. Um, and like I said, I was really hard on myself during that time and I regret it because I was doing the best that I could and, uh, and it worked out. I just needed some time you know? So, so yeah, when I first moved to Charlotte, I was working full-time 40 hours a week uh, at the McCall center, which is a residency uh, art program in Charlotte. Um, and trying to get in a car after working a nine to five and driving out to a warehouse and painting by yourself in a city where you don't know anyone was really hard. <laughs> I love painting, but it was really, really hard. How did you balance all of that and add structure 
Like it really depends yeah. on you to implement that. Yeah, yeah, and you're exhausted. So that I did for a while, but transitioning into part-time work and then having more of my like regular hours in the studio was a game changer for me. Um, and it shows in my work. I mean, what I created from when I was working part-time until now has been some of my best work. And what I was working on before that was still good, but it just wasn't as prolific. I just didn't have the energy to like push through enough paintings. <laughs> like, and that's okay. You don't have to work all the time. I think people who are really, really engaged with their artwork are thinking about it all the time, no matter where they are. So, and that's okay. You can still claim that you're working, even if you don't have a brush in your hand, you know, you're thinking about work. Maybe you're sketching in your phone. Maybe you're collecting reference images. Maybe you're having conversations with other artists or you're looking at other people working through some stuff online. You're still working. hundred percent. And for those times that you had like a part-time job, but nine to five, that's much more than a part-time job. So like, and then you would go to yeah. the studio after. How did you juggle that? It was really challenging. I was just physically tired. But yeah, I would drive 20 minutes to my warehouse after work and just try and push through it as long as I could. Um, but it was very tough. And I think it was also really tough because I was in a new city where I didn't have you know, I wasn't in a warehouse with all my friends like I had been in the past. You know, in San Francisco, I was in a warehouse with, like, all my best friends, and we'd all be working together, and we'd all get dinner together, we'd take a break, we'd go back in, we'd paint some more. Um, I was out here alone, and I didn't even really understand what, like, when you first graduate, I feel like you're kind of confused as to how you're going to connect point A to point B. Maybe you have a goal, you're like, okay, I really want to, like, make a connection with a local gallery, or maybe not even, you know, like, any gallery. Um an online gallery, like, wh like whatever, I'm just using that as an example, but you have some goal that you're working towards, but you haven't exactly figured out how you're going to connect where you are to that goal. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of facing that without my peers and without my community. So I was like, wow, okay, I'm going to like create these paintings and what am I going to do with them? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, thank God for the internet. I think that got me through it so much because I really leveraged my Instagram to just share with people what I was going through. And I didn't feel as lonely because I could still, I could still see what people were making in California. I could see what people were making in Canada and I could share what I was making. And I was getting that positive reinforcement from people online. And that was, that was huge. You know, um, I felt like I was getting a lot of support from my friends and family and my, and my artist peers online. So that was that was huge, but it was a struggle. <laughs> and it must have been difficult putting your work out there for the first time, too. Yes and no. I mean, I've just been really, I've been doing, I've been putting my work online since undergrad. And I'm kind of used to the vulnerability in that. I think that's something as an artist that the more vulnerable you are, the more you're going to get out of it because it's, there's a lot of anxiety in thinking about how people may respond differently to you, but those people who are going to like not like you or be like, Oh God, she's crazy. Or, or, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Look at what she's doing. 
fuck those people. You know what I mean? Like you don't need those people in your life. So yeah, it's, you know, so, so yeah, there's this risk that you're going to put yourself out there and you're going to face a bunch of rejection, but like from people that you don't need. So the people that are left, then you have a more honest connection with and you, and they're, they're real to you and they, they know you. And that's so, that's so cool. So for me, yeah, it's challenging. There's a little bit of nerves in it, you know, like, Oh, what if, what if my painting sucks? But like, what if your painting sucks? Who cares? You know, make another one. And I think that's a big thing that I figured out is not every single one of my works has to be my best work. You actually need to work through some bad, bad quote unquote bad painting to figure out what the heck is a good painting because no one knows what a good painting is you just know how you feel when you're in front of work that you're attracted to so you need to work through like you need to work through challenging creative moments to really come to those special moments where you're like this is on point i'm vibing with this right now you have to you have to feel both (laughs) a hundred percent you said it so well and like thank you for your honesty too and so is yeah. there a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Just not be so hard on myself. I think I was really very, um, I don't know. I I think I was too caught up in a lot of different priorities when I should have just, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I felt a huge sense of, of release when I left left where I was from because in my mind whether it was real or not in my mind I had pressure at home and with my social groups mm-hmm. in Canada whether they existed or not is irrelevant I felt so much pressure mm-hmm. socially and culturally to be a certain type of person and going to San Francisco and being able to just focus on what I wanted to do for me and not giving a shit about, I don't know, what these girls are going to think of me or what these guys are going to think of me or, like, just not caring was such a huge release. And being able to start fresh um, as a young adult. I was 23 when I moved to San Francisco. Being able to start fresh and meet a whole bunch of new people and just be who I wanted to be without any, like, baggage, that was amazing. And I just... If anyone gets the opportunity to do that and really explore who they are and just go after something, I highly recommend it because you can really just, yeah, you can just, it feels feels good. So if I was giving myself a piece of advice, I would just probably put a little less pressure on myself, uh, know that things come with time and you just have to put in the work and not, and not, not stress about the people who don't like you. It's, it's, it's going to happen no matter what. <laughs> really wise words. Yeah. And so true. And I'm really glad that that new beginning was really refreshing and helped. Um, yeah. Because it opens up so much opportunity, but it's something that also takes a lot of courage to do. Yeah. Yeah. It was important for me to do that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. So moving into our exciting new segments, it's for the community to hear about what you're working on from the creator yourself. So could you share with us some pieces that um, you're working on now? Um, either show us or you can talk about them too, or just uh, things that you're brainstorming. Uh, <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, so I, 
I just finished a huge body of work for the museum, right? So there was a period between uh, that install, which happened in February and now where I just like, I had, I kind of, well, I guess I didn't, but I had a set, I had probably, I don't know, four or five commissions that were queued up immediately to start after I finished that work. So um, I had a solo show last uh, winter. Yeah. Right before the museum from November through uh, the first week of January that I had <laughs> built out. So there was this period of time between like last July and February where I was working like a maniac to develop these two exhibitions, these two solo exhibitions. So during that time and right after my solo show at the gallery um, in Uptown, you know, the work that had sold, I, there was a lot of pieces in there that I could have sold multiple times over. And so people were cherry picking and say, Hey, I want this. Can you, can I get another one that looks like this? Can I commission one that looks like this? Can I get something like that? that's in a different size. So I essentially didn't have the capacity to do that work right after the show ended. Um, because I was working on the museum show that was opening like two weeks after the other one closed or whatever. So, um, so I was trying to flush all that out. And then I was queuing up all my commissions to happen immediately after I opened my show at the museum in February. So for the past three or four months, I've just been working on commissions, um, which is a totally different creative headspace than working on new work. Um, because you're, you're not trying to work backwards, but you're trying to like reperform certain things. And it's almost like researching your work and then trying to write a paper on it. So it's like, you look at your old work and you're like, Okay, and the, all I have is the images now because the work's gone. Um, so I'm like, okay, like get in that headspace. What, what's really focused? Like, what's happening in this work that people are attracted to? Trying to understand what it was, what the essence was that they were even into, and then trying to execute on that. Um, so commissions are just a gnarly experience. Um, so I've been working on that, just commissions back to back to back since February. So, so those I've been kind of working through, I have two left, one of which I started yesterday in the studio and one of which I just dropped off at the frame shop to get framed and then shipped out. Um, so I can show you guys the ones I'm working on right now. Um, so it's this blue vertical canvas here. Um, and kind of the way the production works for this particular work is I create washes on top of the rock. Well, I build it, first of all. So I build the canvas, stretch it. Um, I always build my own just because I don't like the look and feel of store-bought canvases. Um, they're also really expensive. So building my own is a way for me to control not only what it looks like, but control the expenses. Um, so I build and stretch the canvas. Um, for me, something that's become a big part of my work is showing the actual canvas through the work um, as a way to not only build up visual depth, but also kind of get this organic feeling of what, like of the painting and the, the like the actual canvas. So my first step for this work was doing a wash. Oh my God, this is really tricky. Yes. So kind of like this blue wash and it's really translucent because it's being mixed with clear gesso and water. So kind of like building up this energy um, getting a lot of movement, but it's really subtle. It's really soft and kind of just setting up the surface. The, the, sh the solo show that I had in, in the fall was called hair flip. 
And it was all about sort of these big, heavy drip paintings that had these sort of like figurative subjects in a way. So this painting right here, this, this is called Hair Flip. And it was sort of because I had done this drip painting where you can kind of see this figure. And she's kind of like throwing her, wait, I'm trying to figure out my finger. Hair back, hair back. <laughs> so like, um, so in these drip paintings, essentially, and this one's kind of helpful to see too, I prepare the background and then I do these uh, transparent drips on top of the canvas. And they're transparent because this gives me the most control over the color that I'm going to layer over them. So this commission that I'm working on right now, um, I've got the background wash, which is going to be interesting. Today I'm going to do the transparent drips, which will kind of be like building up the composition of the work. And then I Afterwards, I'll spray paint and add all the color at the end. Um, so your finished prod product, this one is kind of like an in-between. You can see these transparent drips have, the, in some cases, they look tan, and that's just the canvas coming through it. And in the other areas, they look white, and that's from white airbrush uh, spray paint to make it look like it's glowing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then you can see, like, this is the color that I, the washes that I had under it. Um, so this is like a good kind of in-between painting to show the process. And then eventually it'll kind of build up more like that. And then at the very end, it'll build up more like this. Um, so that's sort of what I'm working on in the studio today. Um, and then you can see this painting behind me has tons of color and lots of drips and crazy things going on. So part of what I'm trying to do is build up from this process that I just described um to you guys I'm trying to use a lot more colors a lot more paint and figure out different types of surfaces um so I'm kind of also in this experimental phase of working with different palettes um darker palettes more vibrant palettes and just more bold mark making so I have some, so in the midst of me working on my commissions, I also have these works, this work, um, which is obviously really, really colorful behind me and lots of stuff going on. And then this really dark, crazy work that I need to work through, but they kind of act as sketchbook pages where while I'm working on a really controlled thing, like a commission where I need to be really focused and I need to be really on my game these other things happening in the studio can be a nice little thing that I can go and scribble on or go and test something on or, or whatever. So that's really practical for me when I'm working is having a canvas or having something where I can very, very quickly test on what does this color look like? What does this color look like on the other one? How does this line work? How does this texture work? And I don't have to, I don't, I don't figure, I don't figure those things out on commissioned works or on works that I'm working on for a show. Those works are super controlled. I had canvases that are exist purely for the experimental things. Once I figure out how I want my mark to look, then I move to the other thing and then I try and replicate it. <laughs> so it's this balance of really controlled canvases and completely like, yeah, sketch, sketchbook canvases, which are like, you know, free for all. Amazing. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. And it's really cool yeah. to see. And so looking at your paintings, I can see a lot of layers. And so you also talk about your process where you kind of go backwards and forwards in time, revisiting previous pieces. Yeah. And so is there any correlation to that? Or like, how is your process like when you're adding these layers? There's definitely, um, I think for me, 
figuring out good color compositions is uh, tough. Um, so looking back at my work and really figuring out how I made a palette feel um, united or feel like, yeah, that that's working is just helpful. Um, it reminds me, I mean, I feel like every time I, I paint, I forget, I forget stuff. You need to remember like, okay, you need a neutral. Okay. You need some cool colors. You need some warm colors. And it sounds really elementary and it is, you know, like reminding yourself of the basics of painting every time you work and having those visual um, examples around me is helpful. Having the physical thing to look at to remember is helpful because that's how my brain works. You know, if I was able to just read, read a document on like how to make a painting, then, then that would be fine. If I was, if that's how I learned, but I, that's not how I learn. I'm visual. So for me having pieces where I feel like they're complete to understand and constantly learn from and be like, okay, when I'm working through something, like, why isn't this working? Compare it to finished work and be like, what's different about these? What haven't I done yet? Did I do this differently? This time? Why did I do that like that? And so it becomes this nice comparison thing, this push and pull where I can help get my work in progress to that level, but then also push it beyond it and say, uh, you know, okay, this is where I stopped last time. What happens when I go past it? Because um, people always want to know that. How do you know it's over? How, when do you know when to stop? Whatever. When you feel good about it, when you don't want to work on it anymore is usually my answer. But sometimes you need to push past that to see what happens in your process. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. That sounds really exciting. I look forward to seeing that. And so to end on a positive note, there's like a lot of pieces of inspiration that like even through this conversation today. And um, so what's something that you're grateful for today? Ooh, I'm grateful for my health and my family's health and um, that I have this space. Not everyone can, not everyone has the space to do something. So, I, I mean, I'm lucky that I can be here and that I feel that I feel safe in my studio. And I mean, that's, that's a gift. So, For sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been, thank you so much, Emily. <laughs> thank you. And, um, also a big thanks to Kohei without this, without him, this would not have been possible. So thank you both. Well, thank thanks so way. much, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. We would love to hear your thoughts or questions. Please let us know in the comments and review section, and we'll try to cover it in the next sessions. If you enjoy this content, please share and subscribe for more episodes. For latest updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Art Focus Exchanges.